Hello and welcome to Roll Out the Barrel, the show hosted by two UK fans of the Milwaukee Brewers. I'm Sean, you can find me on Twitter at Haders here. And with me as ever is my brewing colleague. It's Mr. At UK Brew Crew himself. It's Mark Lewis. How are you, bud? Hello, mate. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm doing very well. Yourself? Very good, mate, actually. Yeah, very good. Just, um, you know, just slowly getting over the uh, the disappointment of post-season. But, yeah. Um, yeah. I've had therapy now. I'm, I'm <laughs> Don't. I, I also need therapy as well. So I've, I've had a, not only have had the, the postseason disappointment, I've also had some, a very, very hard couple of months, which, you know, um, is, is one of those things. So, um, yeah, I, I kind of get what you mean. It was it was disappointing. But unfortunately, it's uh, it happened. And, um, you know, I think we'll discuss it a bit later on. But, yeah, um, yeah, we were all very optimistic, weren't we? And then all of a sudden it just dropped. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we'll have a we'll have a chat as you say in more detail as we go through the pod uh, with our two uh, special guests as well today. But um, yeah, I think when we when we had Atlanta, it looked like we were going to uh, you know really make the, uh, the the championship game at least, and uh, wasn't to be. Um, no. And again, we crowned another winner. We have a habit, don't we, of losing to the eventual winner? I'm not sure what it is. Does that yeah. make well, I think I think it's happened, isn't it? Every year that the uh, the team we've lost to in the playoffs has made the World Series. I don't think it's they've won the World Series, but they've made the World Series. So, yeah, it's it's something that has happened and it has become a thing, hasn't it? So, um, yeah. you know, <laughs> maybe one day we'll actually win the World Series ourselves. You know, it's <laughs> it's got to happen yeah. at some point, hasn't it? You know. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's going to happen, and we will have a chat about you know what we feel are going into next year, and certainly our chances of making a fifth consecutive postseason, uh, which is absolutely unprecedented, certainly for Brewers. Um, so that would be, be great, yeah. So, um, all right. So, um, joining us on the pod today, we have two members of the UK Brew Crew. Uh, it's this fastly growing family of Brewers fans in the UK. First of all, we've got Craig, Craig Herring, and you can find Craig on Twitter at Craig Herring. Craig, how are you, bud? Very well, thank you, Sean. Yeah, how are you? Yeah, I'm very well, mate. Thanks for joining us on the pod on this Sunday evening. And also, we have another member of the UK Brew Crew, um, uh, a self-confessed sports addict, I think. Uh, follows pretty much every sport known to man. Uh, we have uh, Chris Biggs, who you can find, again, on Twitter, at Biggsy350. How are you, Chris? Hi, Sean. Yeah, I'm really well, thank you. How are you doing, mate? Yeah, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. You know, I had one eye on the Chelsea score for you today, mate. I know that you've been watching the Chelsea game before we've recorded this. So, um, disappointed with the points? Yeah, Uh, very, very disappointed with the points. We were speaking uh, a little bit earlier, actually. Um, uh, And and we'll come on to stats in baseball a little bit. But some of the stats that came out of the Chelsea game today um, tell you all you need to know. Um, Two points dropped rather than one point gained, uh, to, to, to put it in summary. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I thought so when I saw the score myself. Uh, and I know that a few of the guys over in the States do follow some of the uh, the Premiership teams, some of the bigger clubs, Chelsea, Man U, Liverpool. So there's probably a few guys out over in the States who would have seen that game as well. So, uh, yeah, the Premiership is loved around the world, isn't it? So, uh, yeah, yeah, disappointing from a Chelsea point of view, though, mate. My team won yesterday. We beat the mighty Blackpool 1-0. Excellent. So, Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so um, yeah, we're going to have a chat really about the season, really, guys. This is the, probably the last pod that we'll put out this year. It's been a couple of months actually since we've uh, we've made a pod uh, for various reasons. 
but yeah, I just wanted to really kick off by just talking about your your backstories, really, lads. Um, and if I come to Craig first, um, I know Craig, you've been a, a Brewers fan for a number of years. So yeah, could you just talk us through your background, how you became a Brewers fan, and uh, what your journey's been like? Yeah, sure. Um, so yeah, I've been a Brewers fan for about twenty years now. So. Um, reflecting the fact I'm a bit older than everyone else in this pod. Um, um, so, um, yeah, I, so I've been a massive American football fan since I was a kid, since it was first on in the UK. And um, uh, and I never really got into baseball, but I was always interested in baseball. Um, particularly, I love Peanuts. Um, so, you know, Peanuts, the Charlie Brown cartoon strip, is always about and regularly features baseball. And I've always found it fascinating and interesting. But I never really knew how to get into baseball in the way that I did with American football. And then um, somebody who used to be a line manager at work, who since has become one of my very best friends, he um, he is a lifelong San Diego Padres fan and has relatives in the States and has been going there his entire life. And he kind of got me into watching some series rather than trying to make sense of a game. And then the sort of narrative of baseball suddenly opened up to me. I had one of those kind of, you know, illuminating moments when it all made sense. And I said, oh, this is brilliant. I get it. And uh, and that was it then. And then I needed to find a club. And um, I, I tend to like um, small towns, um, you know, um, clubs that you can really kind of believe in and care about a bit more. I'm not like a glory hunter going for who, you know, I would never be supporting those sorts of clubs as a rule. And so I just did some research and found the clubs that most fitted to the sort of teams that I like, where I was from. Um, I've got a background in marketing, communications, design. So club that had a cool logo was really important as well and uh, and lo and behold you know there was only, only really one outcome it was kind of them or the Padres and as my mate was already a Padres fan I couldn't do that so I started to have follow the Brewers and when I discovered that Milwaukee was the home of beer cheese and sausages then you know the, the planets aligned and there was only really one option and, oh, I agree. Um, yeah what, what's there not to love about it I mean it's just wonderful yeah, isn't it? exactly and, that and I know Mark you're you're when you became a Brewers fan Mark it was a it was a similar experience for you, wasn't it? It was around alcohol. Yeah, right? yeah, pretty much. I chose them on the name. That was it. I was like, I like beer. <laughs> Brewers will do for me. And then yeah. and then that was it. <laughs> that was the start. I was always amazed in the early days when I was talking to Mark that there weren't more Brewers fans just for that reason. Because when we used to go to some of the London events that like seven, eight years ago that I met Mark at, um, they were, we were all often the only Brewers fans there, weren't we? Yeah, yeah. I mean, to be perfectly honest, only because of Twitter that we've been eking them out really isn't it so yeah. um yeah it's, it's it's becoming bigger um i mean thankfully the following is getting more i think the london series really helped um because i probably bumped into i would say at least 15 to 20 different brewer fans at the london games uh, over both days so um yeah i think it, it's getting better um but yeah i mean like you say what's not to love about you know having a, a sausage race and, and <laughs> eating cheese and <laughs> and and drinking as many types of craft beers as you can possibly manage you know it's it's, it's perfect for me so and and you know and it's classed as a sport as well so you know i'm, I'm all in <laughs> are, you, are you are you team chorizo or Hey, me. Um, to be honest, I've never really picked one. We should probably pick you one. You've got to have a next sausage. Year. Come on, you've got to Yeah, we probably should pick a sausage for uh, next year. I was, I was going to nominate Hot Dog for MVP this year, actually. He got 27 wins in the sausage race. Yeah, so, um, yeah Polish 19, I've got it here. Italian 16, Brat 11, and Chorizo only got eight. 
so, yeah, that definitely sounds like me. Then. Had a very, very good year. <laughs> Definitely that. I'm loving them stats. They're fantastic. <laughs> that's it. That's 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 the highlight of the season, isn't it? Really. <laughs> okay. And yeah. Thanks for that, Craig. Um. So so 20 years. I mean, that's, that's you've seen um, you've seen some ups and downs, mate. Highs and lows. Yeah. I've never seen such a consistently consistent period of highs. I have to say, you know, despite mm. our frustrations and disappointments, it's been remarkable, really, mm. that we're you know contemplating the possibility of a fifth successive postseason. I mean, I've you know, never felt anything like that, even in the, you know, in the highs of the early Braun years. And uh, it was nothing like that. No, certainly we are. Uh, it's a good time to be a Brewers fan at the moment. That is absolutely for sure. Um, and so, Chris, if I can come to you, I mean, you're supposed, I suppose the other end of the scale, really, in terms of um, how long you've been following the sport. What's your journey been like, Chris, and how did you get involved? I, I think having heard that from Craig, I've I've got pretty lucky as you as you're about to hear in terms of a series that I've uh, I've been following the sport and following the Brewers. Um, so uh, firstly, fa- thank you uh, both ever so much uh, for uh, having me on and also everything you guys do for the UK community and the, the okay. Twitter community from um, the UK and US. It, it, it really is fantastic to be a part of. So uh, thank thank you for having me on. My my background. I mean, I, I'm newer to the sport, so um, that, that's definitely fair to say. Um, for me, um, while I'd been to, I went to Fenway when I was very young. Um, I remember my dad buying a ticket from a tout, probably not really meant to say that, because it probably encourages crime. Um, when we were in Boston, when I was uh, sort of 10 years old or something like that, we were sat right behind a column. There we go. That's, that's why not to buy a ticket from a tout. Uh, but I remember quite enjoying it. And since then, when I've been to New York, sort of uh, gone to Yankee Stadium and things, I'm sort of loosely engaged with the sport. Like, like, as you said at the start, um, Sean, I, I'm a bit of a sport addict. I, I really, if I'm travelling anywhere, I would like to sort of like see the local team in action. I thought I find it part of sort of getting immersed in the culture. Um, I'm a big believer that sports are a really important part of any culture. So so that's kind of where, where my background's at. Um, but really for baseball, it, it kicks off for me. So I, uh, 2018, sort of around October, I was in a bit of a mad period sort of um, with work um, and just found myself working into the early hours very often. Um, sort of coming back from the office and then needing to log on from home, which obviously is very typical for us now, but at the time sort of seemed like a bit of a novelty. I put something on in the background and I had a variety of things sort of, I sort of started, like baseball would come on, BT Sport or, 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 or whatever it was. And then I started sort of start with something on in the background. I was like, oh, okay, this, this is good. Um, and more and more, you sort of, just through sort of the osmosis of being close to the sport, plus the fact it's in the postseason, you start to pick up the language, you start to pick up what's going on. And I really sort of caught the bug for it, actually. And I really joined it a little bit too late in the sense that, the postseason sort of came and went and, you know, it, it wasn't started again in, until spring. So I think that that was that was really the start of it. So when it came around to spring training 2019, I guess I decided I was going to engage with it a little bit more. So as I sort of got into it, um, my my main sport as a player um, and a very bad player, but a very enthusiastic player is cricket. Uh, so I played village cricket and have done um 
since I was sort of 12 years old or something. I'm 30 now, so um, for for a very long time. And I think there's there's a lot of UK fans. Uh, I know Sean, you you're you're a cricket fan as well. Yeah. I know there's a lot of fans yeah. that see the relationship between the two um, in terms of sort of bat and ball sports yeah. statistics. I mean, the the bowling in particular. There's such a really obvious link in terms of the deception that pitchers look to put on the ball. Uh, and what modern cricket bowling is like. And, and that really, really captured me. So I guess when 2019 came around, I was trying to work out sort of how, how do I engage with this sport a little bit more? Like, I really quite enjoy that I was sort of like watching it late at night. And then if I didn't watch all of it, I could watch the highlights and sort of a bite sized bit in the morning. And uh, that, that worked really well. Um, so I did two things. One, I joined a fantasy baseball league and I did that because I'm quite big into fantasy football or fantasy soccer for our um, uh, American listeners. Um, so so that, was, that was an obvious way to engage with it. Again, play to the sort of statistical side. I'm fundamentally a huge geek, so that, that, that plays, plays into that quite nicely. Um, I'm sure we'll touch on fantasy baseball a little bit later as well. And then secondly, well, you not, to be honest, the way I put it. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a vested interest in that. <laughs> you did really well. Uh, this year. So yeah, you, you had a good season. Uh, not, not, not as well as I'd like, but not, not bad, <laughs> not bad. Um, so third, third of sixteen this year, which I was pretty happy with. So uh, that, well, that, that was good. And then um, obviously, I needed to pick a team. So you can't, I, I think it would be very difficult to follow. A sport without picking a team and I guess it's really interesting sort of hearing from Mark and hearing from Craig sort of how, how they pick for Brewers because it must seem quite arbitrary to a lot of the American listeners like what why the Brewers like what what makes you engage and I guess I've said sort of said 2018 postseason um, I must admit I can't remember like I can't distinctly re- I'd love to say oh yeah it was the Woody home run off Kershaw and that was it and it was, uh, but, but unfortunately, it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't quite quite like that. But that would have been a lot more romantic. And um, if I was if I was lying, I'd I'd tell you that that was the reason. Um, but for me, I guess I wanted to go for a league which I thought was really competitive and open. That went. That was the NL Central. That was very much at that time, um, and arguably still is uh, the the most competitive league. And then once once I had that, there's a few things that went for Brewers for me, some of which have already been mentioned. First of all, they are one of two teams that play in blue. Um, I, as a Chelsea fan, um, that is very important to me. I would find it very difficult to follow any team uh, that plays in red. Um, again, playing a little bit to Craig's point, I, I, I was sort of, even though they'd won the year before, I was interested by the fact that the Brewers had never, and unfortunately still have never yet, won a World Series. That that really appealed to me about it. Um, and the more I sort of got into it, the more I looked into it, I was finding Bernie's slide, I was finding the sausage race, I was finding, you know, more about Christian Yelich, who at the time there, I was like, oh, it's a similar name to me. I just, I just was hooked. I very quickly found the, um, found the team for me. My brother-in-law is a, an actual brewer as well, so um, that 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 works nicely. Uh, fair to say, I I like my my beer too. So uh, the stars really aligned for me and the brewers. And since then, uh, I haven't looked back. Uh, but I, I have been very lucky 
in the uh, period I've been been following them. I must say, long may it continue. Yeah, you're clearly a good omen. You're, you know, you're, you're yeah. the brewer. You, you I'm not to... going anywhere, I can assure you. That's <laughs> yeah. <Except> for life. <laughs> it's, it's interesting, you know, um, what you... So thanks for that. It's interesting what you guys are saying, because, I mean, me and Mark have spoken many times about our journey into following the brewers and stuff. But um, you, you mentioned cricket, and, and even though, you know, lots of similarities between like, baseball and cricket, but they're also very different yeah. in many ways as well. Yeah. And um, I think... Anybody who's played or watched cricket for a number of years can't fail to be. Um, I mean, for me, the first thing that really impressed me was the agility of the fielders, the yeah. bullet arm, picking the ball up in one fluid. You look at the things that, that Carlton Wong can do at second mm. base, and it just takes my breath away. Picking the ball, yeah. tripping, throwing yeah. it, bullet straight to first. And for me, before the batting and the pitching, and you're absolutely right, I mean, the pitching is just. It's a, it's a work of art, it really is. Um, but that was the first thing that really got me. I thought those mm. guys are absolutely fantastic. Um, yeah. And that, that was, you know, uh, and the rest is history. It also, for me, I mean, my son, um, Mike, he runs the UK Cubs page anyway. So I wanted some rivalry in the house. OK, he doesn't live here <laughs> anymore. Um, and, uh, you know, so that's great. And also, don't forget, supporting uh, National League Central teams, we do get quite a few... UK friendly games as well, don't we? Which is uh, which is nice, Craig, because it's um, sometimes it's tough burning that midnight oil, isn't it? Can be, yeah. I mean, similarly to what Chris said about working a uh, working late, I've done that, but also, and I know Mark's had this, and I'm sure once upon a time, well, maybe, maybe it was too early with 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 your son, Sean. But when my young, I remember when my eldest was born. My eldest is 11 now, but I remember sort of noticing the opportunity of. Uh, of going say no I'll do the night feed and, and then sticking the baseball on and uh and uh, you know it's 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 a really having a baby is a really good way to get into baseball or having to work late or dealing with a US client or whatever it might be if they've got late overnight you know it's a really good way of getting into it because you know well let's just put the baseball on for half an hour and the joy of baseball is you can do that and you, it just grips you and then, then you sucked in and you you know and and and, and, and so yeah, it's 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 a it's a it's a it's a really interesting way to get into it. And yeah, I mean, I agree with you about about cricket, but also um, Chris has very much approached it as a stats level. But I think the cricket and baseball are the two best sports to be that have been that are written about as well. And you'll find the best. I think the best books about sport are generally about baseball and cricket. There's a narrative arc to seasons in baseball and cricket that I think is really interesting and, and compelling. And I've always you know found the stories of baseball. Um, uh, and also, you know, not just that in the big leagues, but some of those lower league stories about people and the sacrifices they make trying to make it um, are just, you know, incredible and inspirational tales, really. Great. That's a really good point about the, the literature, because funnily enough, I've um, one of my probably more niche uh, Amazon orders this year has been a book by Ed Smith, who's chairman of selectors for England cricket. And when in his Middlesex days, he spent a year in um, America and he got really into sort of like comparing baseball and cricket and he's written a book and I must be I reckon they must have sold about eight of which probably seven have gone to the Smith family and one has gone to me Um, it's called called playing hardball so I'm not plugging it but I haven't I haven't read it yet but it's all about that sort of comparison to the team too that's not quite fair actually the, the one where I heard about it from was um Felix White of uh, Maccabees uh, who was a guest on Batflips and Nerds and okay. he 
he is a huge cricket fan, uh, runs a, a very, very successful cricket podcast uh, called Tail Enders. And yes. he's, he's a, he's a Mets fan. So from his time touring, he got really into, into the Mets. And he, he was talking about this book. And um, so I've picked it up. So that's, that's my, my reading for next year. But you're absolutely right about the stories, the character arc. The, the points around sort of everything from sort of single A through to the major leagues, through to village to test match cricket, like it, the, the, the parallels are unlimited. Mm-hmm. And I, I must admit, I, w- I would like to think just like some cricket fans like me and sort of flailing cricket players like me have got into baseball. It'd be really interesting to see if any of our American followers find some interest in cricket on the other way around. That's not what I'm here for, um, but um, it would be interesting because I, I suspect they would be fascinated in just the same ways that we are the other way around. Absolutely, there are pockets of like very dedicated cricket fans in a couple of, in some of the American cities. Certainly, um, New York, there are a few big cricket clubs, but but you know, much like here, there's small gatherings of fanatical people that that latch onto something and love it either through family or through holidays or whatever it weirdly might be that brings them into contact with the sport. But yeah, no, I think, I think it's the same. Yeah. I mean, I, I've tweeted several times about cricket and um, yeah, I mean, there are some interesting responses from the guys in the States. I think T20 is the most uh, aligned with baseball, isn't it? Approximately three hours per game. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, there's one or two accounts as well where um, some guys have changed their name. There's one guy who's, He's standing on uh, Ben Stokes at the moment, which I think is fantastic. Um, a guy in da- Dallas Brewer. Um, so he's, he's always good fun. But uh, Mark, what are you reading at the moment? Any baseball literature? Uh, no, mainly I'm reading contracts about buying and selling houses. So, um, yeah, I'm completely <laughs> out of that loop at the moment. <laughs> but no, I... I, I do have um, a few books I do want to read, um, but yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> it's just not having the time at the moment. So um, yeah, um, but it, it's interesting you say about the, the the cricket sort of going over to America because I think, um, excuse my daughter in the background, um, the um, I the think, family show. Yeah, yeah, the third brewer, uh, the third uh, member of the podcast. Uh, she's got a bit bigger and louder, um, but um, yeah. Uh, back in sort of, I think it was the, it was the 1850s. I think there was a couple of brothers from Sheffield that went over to New York and started a or, or got associated with some sort of cricket club in New York that developed them into taking on baseball and pretty much I think they were instrumental. I think they're in the Hall of Fame. I can't remember their names now, but I think they're um, they were instrumental in kind of setting up mlb so it's interesting that link between cricket and, and baseball because it without the two i don't you know they don't become kind of professional sports i don't think because i believe the first actual international cricket match was between i think canada and the usa um but yeah it's um you know it there is definitely a, a big link um and yeah unfortunately for me cricket was never one of those things that i kind of got into as a youngster um i think purely because um 
I liked football too much and, and it kind of didn't spread. So that didn't mean I didn't go and watch cricket. I did. There was, um, I'm, I'm from Sussex and, and Sussex County Cricket Club was, uh, was very accessible. Um, and I had some really good nights of going and just drinking an awful lot of beer and, <laughs> and watching Sussex. But yeah, it was just one of those, those sports that I didn't really get into kind of addicted to. So, um, it, I, I can watch it, but it's, uh, yeah, it is a little bit beyond my, my grasp at the moment. It's a beautiful ground down at Hove as well. I love. I've been there, been there mm. many, many times. It's a beautiful ground. I love, love going down to uh, when Warwickshire are playing down there. It's uh, yeah, it's, it's wonderful. I mean, the one book I'm, I'm just finishing up while we're talking literature. We're so highbrow, aren't we? Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, is there's a, a book called um, I Don't Care If We Never Get Back from the song, obviously. Um, and it's it's a great book. It's just about two young lads who. Um, just go on this baseball trip and they're, and they're um, one is, a, I don't know, Harvard or he's a, you know, super intelligent guy. And he, he comes up with his algorithm and they watch 30 games at 30 at every major league um, ground in 30 days. OK, so they are fly, not, not, not flying, they're driving, no planes involved. And um, it's it's great. I mean, just the you know, you can imagine what happens and the, the things that they get up to. And one is an absolute baseball nut. The other one's a bit of a, yeah, you know, so he's kind of dragging him along on this journey and uh, it, it's brilliant. But um, so I'd recommend it, by the way. It is, it is good fun. Nice, lighthearted read. But um, you mentioned uh, Ticket Tout earlier, Chris, that your dad bought that that ticket from. Um, strangely enough, the chapter that I've just read, they talk about touts, but they call them scalpers over there. So uh, for, <laughs> for, for, for a very good name. Probably more about that. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly the one that put you behind the stanchion. Then, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think I think though the the whole ticket tout thing is is very different in in America to here, isn't it? Because I mean, remember when the the London series tickets went on sale, um, a lot of the the cheap tickets sold very quickly, and I remember sort of seeing loads of posts from Americans on Facebook about you know I've got these tickets, and I'm selling them for like two hundred dollars, and they didn't even think twice about it. Whereas obviously in this country, that sort of thing is really really frowned upon, isn't it? You yeah. know, it, it's, it's <laughs> legal to pretty much do touting um but yeah it's a very different kind of culture between sort of the brits and the americans that, that actually that is the american dream isn't it i'm if i can sell it and make money then then hooray for me kind of thing um so yeah it's it's, it's interesting yeah, about i think the yankee the red sox season ticket holders got some sort of allocation didn't they i think that was what happened yeah and they immediately thought aha <laughs> yeah i can buy eight tickets per person yeah. so yeah and, and that was that you know so um, interesting stories um and uh you know the journeys that you guys have been on but let's have a little chat about the season that we've just had the 2021 season um so the first full season back after covid um i don't know whatever happened to my cardboard cutout i did want to try and get it back but um yeah i'm not sure where it's i think it's strapped to the statue of liberty at the moment just my face there now looking at over the harbour but um yeah so so craig statue of ivory yeah, if I can come to you first, Craig, I mean, look, we made postseason again. We won the division. Uh, lots and lots of positives. But, um, yeah, what was your thoughts on the season? Yeah, I mean, I think exactly what you just said, really. I mean, I think in the cold light of day, getting over the uh, the disappointment of what happened, you know, Reaching the postseason for the fourth successive year is the kind of best sustained success the Brewers have ever had in the franchise's history. So that's pretty remarkable. And um, and if we were kind of fortunate to get there 
um, in the COVID year. We were there with absolute certainty. Uh, no one could question that, that we deserve to be there this year. And, you know, we at the end of the day, for, for all my frustrations with our batting, we narrowly lost the World Series winners, ultimately, and who then went on to win comfortably. Um, and, you know, it gives you a sense of perspective, I think, that, that, you know, we have to, I think I have to look back at it as a successful season from that perspective. However, frustrated and disappointed I was with what actually happened in the series against the Braves. And, um, yeah, so, I mean, I think positives. I mean, a year of incredible starting pitching. Um, you know, I, I think our rotation is just extraordinary. And not just in terms of what Burns and Woodruff did, but, you know, Peralta's development last season was was very exciting. And then Lauer at the end of the season looked superb and made uh, a great contribution to my fancy baseball team late on, I have to say. And uh, and Hauser as well. Um, again, I think, you know, Lauer and Hauser both had breakthrough years. And that five are all under contract next year. Um, and, you know, I think that that rotation is the envy of, of any anyone in, in Major League Baseball. Bullpen, you know, frustration there, lots of injuries, huge amounts of change and turnover and rotation. I saw somewhere that it, it was the record season for players um, that the Brewers had. I think 61 people wore a Brewers jersey last season, um, which is the record. So it goes just to show how much change and uncertainty and turnover and rotation there was. But, you know, we ended up with a 95-67 record. We cruised to victory. There's some amazing moments and memories in there. Uh, and there were lots of positives. Obviously, the pitching I've talked about. Um, I think, you know, particularly the first half of the season, Narvaez was great. I mean, his, 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 I think his glove work was brilliant all year, but um, he was pretty good in the first half of the season with his batting as well. Adama's obviously was, was transformative. And what, despite our concerns about the trade at the time, proved to be one of the smartest decisions we made, we've made in a long time. You know, players like Jace Peterson um, really came on and did a great job for us. Tellers and Vogie, um, you know, were very dependable. Um, it was great to have Lorenzo came back. I know he's aging, but I just think some of his glove work in, in defensively is just phenomenal and it's a very exciting player to watch. And then Colton Wong, uh, as, uh, as Sean mentioned earlier, you know, some of what he's capable of doing is just explosive and exciting. And I think he led off really well for most of the season as well. Um, I think it was his best ever season um, statistically. So, um, you know, a great acquisition. So I think, you know, lots to be very, very positive about. Um, obviously concerns about about the batting and about our offensive work and about, you know, I think Avi Garcia got 29 home runs and that was our leading home run scorer by some margin, you know, and Yelly got nine in 475 plate appearances. That's, uh, you know, so there's a lot to fix there. So I kind of understand what happened to Andy Haynes. And that's going to be one of the, I'm sure we'll talk about that later, the really interesting things for next year about what that might mean. This new, you know, this new one, two party batting coach relationship. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, I suppose I suppose the biggest disappointment was that Devin Williams has a, has a good builder that made a very solid wall. And <laughs> and if only it was a bit of shit, shitty MDF when he did his wall. And it might have been all right. <laughs> No, you, you picked up some real some real highlights there. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, Devin, well, hopefully just a young lad and uh, he's got it out of his system now and, and all of that, you know. What might have been, he might have been the difference in postseason. You don't know, do you? But, um, yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, it wasn't a bad season. I mean, we'll come to Chris in a moment, but we had we were well above 500 uh, for most of the season. Yes, our batting let us down. 
I think it let us down at certain times. Yeah, yeah, really, really, yeah. We also had really good spells of batting as well, where you know we were winning well, um, getting runs on the board. Um, but I think I mean, the games I remember for our batting that were ridiculous. I mean, there was that game when the Cubs went seven 0 up and we beat them to like fifteen seven. That was yeah. absolutely ludicrous. Yeah. And uh, and then of course there was uh, Vogie's uh, grand slam walk off against the Cardinals um, when we were never in that game and then we went and won it at the death. So there were moments of batting that were absolutely glorious. Yeah, and you mentioned yeah. the um, you mentioned the, uh, the the trade for Willie Adamas, and uh, at the time, obviously, myself and Mark were nervous because you know with with JP Fireys and Andrew Rasmussen going the other way in that trade, it's uh, and I'll come to you, Chris, uh, now, but it left a massive hole in that bullpen, didn't it? Yeah, it it, it did, and uh, and we were concerned, um, but. In Stearns we trust, I guess. It, it was the ultimate trade to show um, people like uh, myself, I must say, who was very nervous, particularly about losing JP, who was showing so much promise, local lads, all, 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 all sort of ticks in the right boxes. Um, Adamus comes over and, frankly, um, lit a fire underneath our season. I thought, I thought he, was, he was inspirational, um, not only in terms of what he produced um, with the bat, uh, with, with the glove uh, as, as well, um, sort of next to Wong. But in terms of just around the clubhouse, he looked, he was the first one there celebrating every home run with everyone. He um, he did his cheerleading duties as well, it's fair to say. Um, a popular guy, I, someone who um, I think we can be very proud and very excited to be have, have on our roster. Um, I, I must say, I, I, I agree with everything that, that Craig said. It's, it's an interesting one. I think we've done the right thing by recording this podcast a few weeks after uh, the Brave series because it gives us a little bit of time to sort of have a look over the season as a whole. Um, I must say, going into the season, I, I felt I felt cautiously optimistic. I think it would be fair to say uh, that there was definitely caution there. For me, it was actually it was relatively early in the season where I sort of really sort of believe that this could be quite a special season for the Brewers. Maybe, uh, I think we went away to the San Diego and swept them um, yep. relatively yep. early and, and really put a marker down uh, when we weren't necessarily expected to. That was, a, that was a really good sort of early early momentum sort of builder for us. Um, the, I mean, a lot of the things um, that Craig's spoken about are, were at huge moments. I mean, the Vogie Grand Slam walk-off was, incredible uh talking about watching late night baseball i was in trouble for waking up my wife celebrating that one that was that was that was an unbelievable uh, you're right we were never in that game we were never in that game and what an unbelievable finish uh, it's just uh just absolutely beautiful and the story behind it uh, bogey had obviously struggled in the season you know we talk about narratives it, it just the stars aligned and that was that was a real highlight um, obviously, the combined no hitter as well. Um, yeah. You know that was that, that was a big one. Um, again, I, was all, one of those, I remember getting back from a wedding, um, relatively um, merry, and watching 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 the end of that. That was that was really exciting, and sort of you know, will they won't they lead Burns in? You know, we were so close to the postseason; it was it was the right decision not to. But at the time, you sort of wonder whether they, they leave him in that was that was special look there were, there were obviously disappointments with the offense 
on the flip side, there were some surprises with the offense. So I was very pleasantly surprised with Urias's offense, for example. So he, you know, he finished the season with 23 homers, and I don't think anyone was forecasting that, and was a genuine power at bat. And yeah, um, Keston was obviously a, a massive disappointment um, this year. That, that, that was that was sad to sort of see him go down into the minors so early and we were we were wondering who was going to fill that hole in terms of a power bat with Yelich struggling, Kane on his sort of coming back and it came in a sort of short and powerful package in Urias and that was a real pleasure so um, look, overall 95 wins, NL Central champions um, we, did, we did a lot of the hard work before September this year which meant that when um, the cards went on their run. Didn't have to worry too too much. There were sometimes I was a little worried um, because I think they went sixteen or something uh, uh, wins in a row, which was which was incredible. But um, that I was that did make me a little bit nervous. But we we put in the hard yards um, earlier in the season. Fully deserved our position in the postseason. It's just a shame, you know. People said I remember going into the postseason uh, the. People saying, well, the postseason's a new season, you know, they'll, they'll start again. It doesn't matter that the bats are cold. And, you know, that first game, you, you knew that it was going to be pitching duels. Um, and that first game with Rowdy hitting Matt Homer, so it felt, well, you know what, maybe as long as you've got enough, all you need is enough offense to win a game. You don't need to blow a team away. All you need is enough offense. And we had it in the first game. And if I'm honest, we didn't really look like having it in any other game apart from maybe game four. So look, um, overall, I think we can be we can be proud about the season. I think we can be excited going ahead to 2022 because of the rotation. And let's see what the uh, what what the off season brings in terms of bolstering that that offense. Hopefully, there'll be there'll be some run support for those guys. Yeah, some great reflections there. Mark, some reflections there that we shared as well. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I, I think the, the biggest thing for me with the off season was we won the division too soon, far too early. We we could take the foot off the gas September, where normally we're really ramping up in September, and I think that really really played to our disadvantage because whilst the Cardinals had that slim chance of actually coming back and taking the title, um. It was a really, really slim chance. And uh, knowing that we had to play them so many times anyway, we knew that most of it was going to be in our, our own hands. So, yeah, it, it it literally was, I think, for, for me. We we basically did the hard work between May and May and August um, and won the division in those sort of months. And then, uh, yeah, we we just couldn't pick it back up in the postseason. And, and that's that's the shame of it, really. The, the pitching was, was superb, as we've all said, you know, it's, it was superb throughout from from the start to finish um and yeah unfortunately the the bats started off cold went hot and they went back cold again and you know it's that's the thing that they have to address for for 2022 really yeah i think um at the time like many people i wasn't you know as we finished the regular season i didn't i wasn't concerned the bats were cold because i thought we're just saving this up for postseason now you know no injuries just keep everyone fit so I thought, yeah, no problem, all part of the plan. But as it transpired, it seemed to be maybe uh, more of a symptom of, of something that was, was going wrong at the wrong time. Um, I mean, we finished the season with 12, 1,251 hits, which was 27th 
across the whole of the MLB. So when you look at that as a stat, you're going to say, well, you know, uh, and I, you know, we mentioned Andy Haynes, and I, I, I kind of, I kind of stuck up for him for most of the year. I think it's easy to blame the coach sometimes. Yeah. It can't, you know, it's like a football managers, isn't it? You know, it's easy to blame them, but um, and I think at times we did look decent at bat, um, but I suppose fundamentally, when you want a, a mood change, it's going to be the coach that goes. So I don't think any of us were surprised Craig really when um, when Andy Haynes left. Spot on Sean yeah and I think that's right I think everybody felt a bit sorry for him apparently you know a great guy that's done an awful lot of good work for the Brewers you know very popular very much loved by the players and everything but you know if you've got to win you've got to make tough decisions and I think that was that that, that that's the only real that I mean I can't see how you couldn't make that decision really unfortunately um yeah, it does. It, it's, it's 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 tricky, but uh, and you know, it, I'd be very interested to see what happens. You know, we've got, you know, we've got this Aussie Timmons and Connor Dawson coming in now, and this really interesting blend of a apparently a you know a very very impressive young hitting coach um, in terms of Dawson, and then obviously Timmons has like so much experience with the Rays uh, over his career. So this kind of really interesting blend of. Um, savvy sort of know-how and um and contemporary technical training and all those sorts of things so if it works it could be really exciting and uh and and this is the great unknown isn't it i mean is sometimes you do see that coaches come in and they have this transformative effect on players and the subtlest thing can make a an enormous difference to their games because you know if yelich gets hot again then you know what how we how we sort of review our batting changes fundamentally if keston gets hot again you know, if, if if bringing change brings that change into players, then, you know, what what we need for next season becomes fundamentally very, very different. So it's really interesting. Yeah, it's a real enigma, isn't it, Christian Yelich? I mean, clearly an immensely talented player. Um, not sure. It will be interesting, as you say, to see the effect of those new coaches and whether they can get something out of him or unlock whatever that mental block is that he seems mm. to have at the moment, Chris. I'm not quite sure what the answer is, but... Hopefully these guys can work with him and weave some magic. I've got everything crossed. Yeah, look, obviously a hugely talented player. Um, I'm, but there's no reason that I can see that he can't get back. Look, we've 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 gone all in uh, financially yeah. in terms of contracts on Yelich, right? So we kind of got to make it work. Um, I uh, I think I'm right in saying that he he had was famously had a very good relationship with Haynes. So it'll be it'll be difficult um, for him. Um, but equally, sometimes when you've got a very close relationship, sometimes there's a there's an element where it's sometimes good to have something something new. It can breed a little bit of familiarity. Familiarity breeds complacency sometimes. So um, who who knows? Um, I'm excited to, for what these two new guys can bring. From what I've read about them, uh, just like Craig says, um, it, it 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 could be fun. Like that that seems. It seems like the obvious thing to to address. We'll obviously come on to sort of the pitching and Cy Young and various things like that. That that was not the area which uh, you needed to diagnose was the problem. So now we've um, now we've got the hitting coaches in. Um, let's let's back them. Let's let them do them their thing. And um, I've got everything crossed that they'll uh, they'll be good appointments. What do you think, Mark? You are optimistic for Yelly next season? Oh, I'd love to see 2017, 2018 yearly back. That you know, for me, that really got me into to this Brewers team. Um, the 
to seasons that he had. Um, so I would love to see it. I really do hope that the the, the changing coaching does help. Um, you know, I mean, we spoke about it before. Is is it the big contract that's that's kind of got to him a little bit? Because I mean, particularly with that 2020 season, people were expecting him to to kind of carry the team through, um, and it just didn't materialise. And I know that he obviously had the uh, the knee injury, um, but is that enough for him to be uh, faltering at the moment? So I don't know, really. I, I hope, I really do hope that we get a bit more nearer to 2018 Christian Jelic back. Um, and, and like you say, sometimes a change is needed. Um, and, and, you know, I was very much in the defence of, of Andy Haynes during the season because I don't, I didn't believe that changing him or getting rid of him halfway through the season was, was going to do any good for the team. Um, but likewise, it was an obvious thing to try and change in the off season to uh, get us going for 2022. Yeah, no, that's absolutely right. He'll, he'll be back. It's just a question of time. And uh, as I say, maybe that injury has had an effect on him mentally. I think the guys are just going to work on him. I'm, I'm confident he'll be back. We just need him back sooner rather than later. As you say, Chris, financially, we've gone all in. Um, and uh, we'll, you know the, built, the team's been built around him off- offensively, um, and of course we can't finish the, re- the review of the season without talking about pitching. You guys have, have mentioned it a few times, but um, a week or so ago, Corbin Burns wins the Cy Young. Craig, um, no surprises for any Brewers fans there, right? No, no. I mean, it, it, it looks like it was a very close affair in terms of. Uh, I think um, Zach Wheeler and Scherzer had uh, had their uh, strong backers too, and uh, and a season when actually across the league there were some exceptional pitchers. And um, but 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 in terms of what he's done, in terms of where he's come in the last two to three years, you know, to, uh, and 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 you know watching his cutter work as well, which is a, just a work of art basically, um, it's just been uh, been revelatory. It's been absolutely sensational. And uh, from from really his first start in the season, and um, I think he led the majors in ERA last in the end last year, and yeah. and on strikeout rate I think as well, which tells you everything really. Cy Young, All MLB First Team, um, remarkable. I mean, you sort of almost feel sorry for, for for Woody really in terms of how just how well he's done. Um, to be sort of playing second fiddle to that because there won't, won't be many clubs that have somebody you know uh, of that caliber that's uh, that's almost like forgotten about by some people because because of the just how impressive Corbin Burns was and uh, and just seems like a genuinely great guy as well in terms of you know in the clubhouse and you know uh, and, and and a real kind of role model for the Brewers. He's exactly the sort of player that that we love that we love to see succeed and. Um, so yeah, with him uh, and obviously Hayder got the uh, Trevor Hoffman Reliever of the Year as well, yeah. and um, Council was runner-up for Coach of the Year. So um, you know, a fairly, fairly, uh, fairly celebrated and recognised achievement really in terms of some of what we've done. But I think yeah, Burns and Hayder is it's almost it's it's easy to forget sometimes. But if anything, he was probably better than than ever last year in terms of you know how many saves he had, and what his strikeout rate was. He was phenomenal, and um, and um, so so we uh, we were just blessed with. With sensational pitching all year, really, it was uh, was definitely a year. If you if you if you love watching, if you love watching pitching, uh, then um, you really wanted to come watch the Brewers last year. I'm not really sure who else you would really want to see, because um, day in day out, our starting rotation was was exceptional. As I said earlier, I think I think that uh, that Hauser was and and Peralta really came on. Peralta had a couple of exceptional games. 
he seems to have brought a few more pitches into his arsenal and he looked he looked sensational last year so um so i'm really excited about next year and about that five already being like you know being secured and in place for the year ahead so yeah i mean it was a it was a, definitely a year to to relish brewers pitching yeah without doubt yeah you're right corbin won in in terms of stats he led all the important ones whip fip eri era plus um you know, he led the K's. You say you mentioned K's per nine innings pitched as well. He led all of those important stats. It was a it was a no brainer. And it's interesting because I was I was thinking as you mentioned about Woody. Then I was I've been thinking exactly the same. It was almost like he was in the shadows a little bit. And he had a great season and he pitched yeah. superbly well, Chris, didn't he? Um, but it just shows yeah. how well Corbin how, how well Corbin pitched. Uh, absolutely. I mean, Woody came. Fifth, right in the like, yeah. young posting, yeah. so, so we had two in the top five. So not only did we get our first like, young winner in what 39 years, 40 years, something like that, we Eight, also had two. In the... I think it was Pete. Pete oh Buffett wow, was 82. And then Raleigh Fingers was 81. So yeah, we had it back to back in the early 80s. Then nothing. But and yeah, that's, uh, well, there's a there's a there's a phrase that uh, maybe the American listeners may not know, as you say, these things happen like London buses. It basically means you wait for ages for one and then two come at once. So maybe like that's what happened in the 80s and maybe that's what will happen next year. They're all in contract. There's no reason why they can't. So that's uh, that's the way to look at it. Look, Woody, Woody was great. I mean, the way Corbin started the year in particular with that sort of when he set the record for the most uh, strikeouts without issuing a walk as well. Uh, it feels like a lifetime ago of a 58. But he, uh, I mean... Uh, we could talk about Corbin Burns all night, frankly, uh, but but the word that uh, comes to mind when I think about his season is dominant. Every time he was on the mound, uh, I, he was a guaranteed quality start, and frankly, Woody and Peralta really weren't far behind. Uh, we we were truly blessed. Long may it continue. You just felt every game that if we got to the sixth or seventh, we'd be in a position to win it. You know, and mm. that's that's an incredibly reassuring feeling watching baseball. I just never had any doubts watching them pitch last year that we wouldn't have a chance of winning a game. And uh, and I think we were close in. I can't I haven't got the stats here, but I did read somewhere how close we were and how many games last season. And you know, when the when the bats weren't working, that was the reason why. Yeah, mm-hmm. they they just kept us competitive in every single game. And you started watching with kind of absolute certainty that we'd be in with a shot when you got to the sixth or the seventh. Yeah, yeah. Well, of course, and the criticism they had Burns, I think, was that, that that he didn't pitch enough innings. But that's just that's just Brewer's policy in terms of yeah. council. Like council's going to, you know, yeah. So I mean, you can't really blame him for that. Yeah, and um, I think uh, Howes is the only enough, one right? that made it through, didn't he? Yeah, I mean, he, he pitched enough innings. I mean, it wasn't like he pitched ten innings, was it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, and and Mark, I was going to say, Hayder was. I mean, Craig just mentioned it, but. Hyde was more lights out this year, I think, than ever, wasn't he? Yeah, one blown save, that was it, wasn't it? Mm. Other than that, he never looked like he was giving up anything, did he? So, um, absolutely phenomenal player, you know, and to, to have had the four uh, relievers of the years, you know, or the reliever of the year for four years on the trot, you know, with Hader three times and Devin Williams last year, you know, that we're, we're set up to win games through our pitching, you know, if we can just if we could have just had that a little bit more firepower, you know, that we, we should have been lifting that world series trophy in my eyes, to be honest, it was just 
that that's the way it was it was lining up as chris has said you know everything was lining for us to go and pick up that that trophy this year and it just just fell apart at the wrong time and and it and it was through no fault of the pitching staff at all they were absolutely phenomenal all year they were i mean at that point i think we were third favorites for the world mm. uh, world series at one point yeah so, uh, we were we were rubbing our hands as well we had the easiest the yeah. yeah we we had the easiest side of the draw as well if you looked yeah. at it because obviously yeah. the braves you know they're they're you know they they went through as the winners of the east but their record wasn't particularly great you know and and in on paper we should have should have trounced them and then you know you kind of look at the dodgers and, and it's a closer match but we were there for you know they were there for the taking with the pitching staff so it that was the the disappointment and like chris said you know the fact that we're doing this two months down the line after it's happened you know we can we can see the positives now whereas if we'd have done this a few days after we probably would have all been <laughs> saying oh everybody's ridiculous and they should be all fired and <laughs> you know so, um, so yeah you know so in hindsight yeah, out, it's, <laughs> yeah exactly so so yeah but um, but then we mentioned it on the the sampler pack you know like people like aaron ashby stepped up and you know he came from from yeah he made his competitive debut last year and, and still ended with a, a really good era and i'm not sure what it was off the top of my head but um you know it other than his debut against the cubs where he, he gave up those seven runs the rest of his season was phenomenal you know and, and for somebody that's that had come from from triple a level um to a, a starting position in in you know an mlb team just things like that just kept happening last year or, or during the, the season and and the more it went on the more you kind of thought this 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 is coming isn't it it's, it's our year it's our year and yeah unfortunately um you know the braves uh didn't read the script very well did they so <laughs> they ruined the party didn't they and, you know, i know by like many sports baseball it's it's a game of opinion um but I had an interesting conversation with a, a Dodgers fan who was trying to convince me um, that Urias at, at, uh, at the Dodgers should win the Cy Young. Mm-hmm. But on the, I know, by virtue of the fact that he had the most wins, he had 20 wins. And um, I was like, the win, the win loss statistic is so fraught mathematically, it's ridiculously oh. bad. It's the worst stat in baseball, if you want my opinion. Well, we, we've got but, the other picture that shows that up, haven't we, in, in Woodruff? Exactly. Yeah. How many losses because our bats didn't support him, but yet his <laughs> stats were phenomenal. So it's no reflection, it's no reflection but uh, anyway, I, I put him right and he went away, so that was fine. I won that one. Um, <laughs> but there was, there was no arguments. <laughs> to be honest, so. Okay, so um, so the answer, by the way, to this next question is not Corbin Burns. It can't be. So if we put Corbin Burns to one side, <laughs> yeah, and I'll come to to you first, Craig, if I may. Who's your MVP this year and why? Well, as I said earlier, it's hot dog. 27 wins at Racing Sausages. That's, that's elite <laughs> That's don't lie, do they? <laughs> um, God, if it's not Corbin Burns, who is it? Um, well, I, it, it's Josh Hader or Willie Adames, I guess. You know, Hader, as we talked about, um, 34 saves, looks better than ever. One blown save is the same mark. Adames, I, I think we were 74-44 with him in the team. And, um, you know, and just had a transformative effect on our season. And um, so it would have to be either of those, really. I mean, I can't I can't really see who else it could be. People have made cameos and, you know, useful performances, as we talked about earlier throughout the season. I think Garcia, you know, made uh, made some great contributions as well. But no, I think it would be those two, really. It would have to be. 
But it's Corbin Burns, let's be honest. <laughs> Chris? Yeah, very difficult to pick around Corbin Burns. Um, it's, it's interesting. Well, if you want to use your wins as statistic, which you, no one likes, then we'll say that Brent Suso got more wins than <laughs> Corbin Burns last year. Yeah. So, there we go. A longest serving player. And I'm not saying that just to... Sorry, Mark, um, I know you're a nice opinion fan. <laughs> so another not, bit of heartbreak not, this year. <laughs> oh, no. Um, but he got yeah, paid. I mean, you know, he really got an amazing deal. Yeah, yeah. For a 30-something, you know, second catcher to get yeah. to get eight, nine million pounds or whatever he got for the World Series winners for two years. Mm. I mean, that's crazy business. Right. So, well played, yeah. Manny Pena. Yeah, absolutely. Wish well. Wishing well. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. Chris, sorry, Chris, just continue your point, mate. Oh yeah, sorry. <laughs> oh no, no, no worries. I was, uh, I was, I was just, um, just having fun with the statistics with the win ratio. And frankly, I really like Brent Suter just because he seems like a top bloke. Um, that's that's not who I'm going to pick though. I, if you're not going to let me have um, Burns, I'm going to struggle not to pick another pitcher. And if um, Craig's got Hader, then I'll take Woody for all the reasons that we've spoken about before. Woody was excellent last year. He kept providing quality starts. He's still a fantastic pitcher. I'm still really enjoying watching him pitch. Like, it's, it's, when you know that Woodruff's on the mound, you're, you look forward to watching the first few innings because he, he wears his heart on his sleeve. He's a, he's, he's a great pitcher. He's very, very talented. And, um, yeah, that would be my... Um, outside of Burns MVP. Okay, so we've got two pitchers. Mark, are you going to break the mould on this one? I or? am. I am, actually. Oh. I'm going to go with Willie Adamas just because, you know, he just changed that clubhouse the moment he walked in the door, you know. Uh, and thankfully, he, did, he took it. He managed to change it very quickly because, obviously, I was heartbroken that, that JP had gone and struggling to get round my, yeah, my head around it. But, yeah, he, he stepped in. And from the moment he came into that team, I, you know, the Brewers looked electric and were never not going to win the division. So, yeah, for me, he, he basically changed changed the team um, drastically from uh, from the moment he walked in. So, yeah, but you could mention other pitchers as well. I mean, Freddie Peralta was, was fantastic. Um, Lauer did a really good job, you know, in, in the times that he was called up, uh, called upon as well. So, you know, there, there are a number of people that, that put in really, really good sterling performances at the right time for us last year. Um, and, and most of it came from, from the pitching staff. Um, but William Darmus was probably the best with the bat. Um, yeah, I mean, you're right. There's a, I try to focus on the offense a little bit. Um, I suppose, you know, our, our pitching was, was awesome. Um, but I try to focus a bit more on the offense where we struggled and trying to, you know, Look, look through that to see who I thought really was 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 worthy of a mention. And you've mentioned a few of the obvious names already. Luis Arias had a great season. I love watching Avi Garcia. I'm gutted the guy's leaving. I'd love, um, you know, I'd love to get him back if that was a possibility. I don't know. Um, but I I really enjoyed watching him. But I'm with you, Mark, on this. Um, for me, I mean, okay, William Darmis. I mean, he's he's on, his um his OPS is just short of 900, I think. So he's up there. Uh, statistically has been one of our best uh, offensively uh, batters, batters anyway but it was I don't think I've ever seen one person it, well it felt like one person maybe there was a lot of other things happening which we didn't see but I don't think I've ever seen one person have such a major effect on a whole team it was it was fantastic to see 
as you say, the whole close-out thing that he bought as well, and the whole team were doing it. Whenever they were on base, the clothes were out. There was just a real sense of unity. And I think that's what you get with a small town, a small franchise like the Brewers. You mentioned that earlier, Craig. Um, they're, they're bigger than the sum of their parts, you know, as a unit. And that's what being a team is all about. And for me, he embodied that. Yeah, and I thought Willie Adamis was uh, was was my MVP just for, for that because I couldn't have Corbin Burns, obviously. Um, okay, then. So, he did uh, get an MVP vote, didn't he? In the in the voting, I'm sure I'm sure I saw somewhere that he did he did pick up a vote, which um, yeah, which I think is testament to all of the things that you just said. Frankly, uh, well well deserved. Yeah, totally, totally. Okay, so before we sign off, um, and again, I'll come to yourself, Craig, first, if I may. Um, Who have you got your eye on at the moment who you would like to see the Brewers make a trade for in the uh, the closed season? So I'm struggling a bit with this one. Sort of looking at where we've got areas of of weakness and places that we need to fill. And the obvious answer appears to be something with our bats. but again, you know, it's hard, the great unknown with this is what whether Timmons and Dawson are going to have any kind of transformative effect on that area of the game, and whether you know Yelich and Hura and others will will come good again. Um, so until until he won the MVP, I was thinking someone like Jorge Soler, who's uh, who will be a free agent, but obviously he just won the uh, World Series MVP after he crushed those insane homers. Um, yeah. that moonshot over the railway line, which was just an insane hit. But that's what we need. That's what I wanted to see. That's what we didn't get at key times last season, um, that somebody that could do that. And, um, and But, you know, what Council likes or tends to like are kind of utility players um, that, that, that give him that flexibility around, around the depth chart, that he can play them at first and second or at shortstop or, you know, and so he'll probably find out that he'll try to get a utility player. He likes those kind of Swiss army knives that, that give you flexibility through injuries to keep team moving and keep momentum going. So um, I'm not, I'm not sure. I mean, Freddie Freeman as well. There's another one that popped into my head. who's a free agent, but whether he'll stay that way, I don't know. Brandon Belt's too old. I think Anthony Rizzo doesn't feel like a fit for us. Um, Yeah. I'm not sure. I'm very interested to hear what you guys think. Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting one, isn't it? So um, you're, you're right. Um, council has tended to go with utility players who tend to end up with sort of uh, Brock Holt type players who can play all the way across the diamond and, mm. and things like that. And that's, and that's absolutely fine. Look, at the end of the day, we that, that does provide depth. I would I would like to see something in terms of the offense. So um, names I've sort of seen thrown around, um, Nick. Uh, Castellanos uh, of the Reds. I'm probably saying that wrong. Apologies. Uh, which I think is just to wind up the Cubs, uh, which is which yeah. is uh, a possibility, um, which is which is fair enough. So um, I I really liked the Escobar signing and was gutted to see him go to the Mets. To be honest, I think he would have been a, a real asset to this team. And we were deploying him at first, and he looked, even though he hadn't played at first before, he looked pretty pretty good at first actually defensively um which was good so i'm disappointed to see him him go to the mat um that, that would have been nice for me um i'm i'm in the same camp as sean actually i would love to see avi garcia back i have no problem with him going out testing the 
free agency market. He's earned the right to. He's had he's had the at bats. He's met what he needed to in his contract. But at the end of the day, he finished with the top home runs, top RBIs. You might turn around other uh, teams supporters may be listening to this podcast thinking, well, that, that may not have been hard for the Brewers on the basis that you guys were 27th in terms of hits. But frankly, he, he made a difference. Um, and I, I thought he, I think he would continue to make a difference in this side. Um, if not, I think our outfield, uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. just didn't really bring anything offensively, um, putting a lot of pressure again on Yelich and Kane to deliver um, offense statistics of previous years, which I'm, I'm nervous about. Um, I must say, when Tyrone Taylor came in, I quite liked Tyrone Taylor. Um, I thought he did a job, and I suspect he'll have a role to play in 2022 too. Um, similarly, we started the year with Billy McKinney sort of starting really, really well and sort of lost him. But we'll always have we'll always have someone making cameos, as it was put earlier. But I think uh, a, a, a signing along those lines would be would be fantastic. Uh, I find it hard to look past the offense when I'm looking at free agency market opportunities. You're right about Jackie Bradley Jr. It was a big disappointment. I mean, he still showed some of what he's capable of defensively, but really, for sure. you know, yeah. Kane's, Kane's like in his mid-30s as well. So, you know, that is a slight worry about, about you know, who we've got out there in the outfield to, to provide that kind of world-class defensive work. Um, yeah. And I think going back to what Sean was saying about that kind of small team fit and how well the likes of Wong and Adamas just kind of fitted and belonged, I never quite got the sense that Jackie Bradley Jr. was the same. I think sometimes when you get some of those kind of blockbuster trades and those stars of you've had great years historically and from big clubs, I don't know if they always work in the Brewers. Um, I think they're used to a very different culture and environment and that kind of proximity to the fan base and that kind of communal spirit, you either you either thrive on it or you're a superstar that's kind of looking for something a bit different, I think. And I wonder if it just wasn't he's just not the right fit for the kind of, you know, the DNA of the Brewers. I don't know. Yeah, it's a good point because it was a great signing. I mean, we were well pleased when he when he mm. joined. I think you're right. I think his glove work's been pretty excellent this year. Um mm. I think he has been excellent with the glove. Um, yeah, I mean, we could lament again. In the same way that we could talk about how good Corbyn's been this year, we could probably spend another hour talking about how JBJ hasn't fired for us this year. And he has been a major a major disappointment. Um, Mark, who have you got your eye on at the moment, mate? Um, well, <laughs> to be honest, I, I haven't. I'm, I, I'm the same camp as Chris, really. I would love to have Avisel Garcia come back. And I really don't blame him for testing the free agent market. I'm hoping that we get a situation like we had with Mustakas a couple of years ago and he, you know, doesn't quite get the offer he wants. So he thinks, ah, oh, so I'll come back and, and kind of give it another year or two. Um, you know, that's, that's the hope. But um, I guess one thing we've always struggled with is, is a first baseman. Um, somebody like Freddie Freeman would be awesome. Um, I, I can't see it happening because I think he's staying where he is really. Um, but you know, he, he would be fantastic. Um, even Anthony Rizzo at first base. I mean, yeah, I know he's, he's an ex cub, but fantastic first baseman as well. So, you know, you could do, but I mean, the other person that, that nobody's mentioned that's, that's still available and, and is out for free agency and has actually done an infield job for, for us, Eric Sogard. I mean, do we not want him back? Oh, the babe. <laughs> <laughs> that's only because I've got a Sogard shirt, you know. <laughs> yeah, Mark, Mark wants to get the use out of your Sogard shirt. Yeah, that's pretty much. Uh, yeah. No, but I mean, I mean, to be perfectly honest, I mean, I'm, 
the outfield is is probably going to need a bit of a bolster um, if Avisel Garcia doesn't come back. But is is next year too soon for Garrett Mitchell? Because you know he he's already gone up a, a level uh, in the the minors. Um, there's every you know he could be playing for Biloxi uh, come come the start of next season, and and that's not too far away from Nashville. And you know his numbers have been good, so there's no reason why we we might not see him in in the next year or so anyway. I think I suppose the one thing that we, we can all be guaranteed is that whatever happens, we won't expect it. Something will happen. And we'll all go, well, we didn't see that. I mean, for me, you guys have already hit the nail on the head for me. It's all about, I looked at um, who I thought we needed, or where we needed to bolster. It's clearly offensively. I thought in the infield, we're, we're, you could argue we do need a first baseman, but the romantic in me, you know, doesn't want to, those two guys we've currently got tagging at first base. I mean, I just love watching them play. You know, yeah. oh, you know. Um, I mean, Rowdy's been awesome this year, and, I, and and Danny's just, I just love Danny V. So the romantic in me says, Nah, nah, just sign him up. We're okay at first. Um, yeah. So, so, so I thought, well, maybe it's going to be outfield um, with 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 Avi Garcia leaving, and with uh, JBJ struggling, and as you said, Craig, you don't know with Locaine what his fitness will be like through the season. We might find. I mean, Toro and Taylor's done a good job out there. Um, but we, we might find that we struggle, um, or we're a bit we're a bit short there. We might struggle with depth. So for me, someone like Juan Soto at the Nationals, I think, would be a good fit. Um, very good offensively, decent outfielder. Um, OPS just shy of a thousand this year. Uh, really, really good figures. You know, he's only 23, so he's 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 not. You know, he's someone who um, we could look at. Uh, you know, for for the future, and he becomes RB eligible next year. So it's it's not a massive leap of faith. Um, and somebody else who certainly wouldn't break the bank. And I, I've watched him play several times. I think he's a good player in a poor team. And that's Brian Reynolds at Pittsburgh. Again, I think he's offensively strong. Again, he's an outfielder. Um, he's 26. So again, you know, he's got plenty of years left in him. Um, I, I wouldn't mind seeing a move for, for one of those two. Um, again, don't know contract-wise whether that's feasible at the moment. Uh, but that's something that I, I wouldn't mind seeing. And the the other um, area, I thought catcher. So as we've we've just briefly mentioned, Manny Pena's gone, and best of luck to him. He's got a great a great contract there, yeah, good deal. Uh, yeah. But we're going to miss him, right? He's been great, you know. He's been superb, and and him and Omar have been fantastic behind the plate this year. You know, they've really been, and they've offensively they've both uh, contributed, and defensively they've both been excellent. But so we've got Feliciano knows who's pretty much going to fit into that um, that that second catcher role, yeah, behind behind Omar. But I've always liked Salvador Perez at Kansas City. He's 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 a good again a good catcher and a very good offensive player as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's 30, he's just 30, 31 years of age, so he's uh, you know. But I reckon there's a, a a couple of years in the contract with him. I'd like to see that um, again. Don't know whether it's possible. Um, his war last year was just over five and his OPS was just shy of 860. So, again, he was posting good numbers uh, and he's an excellent catcher. Um, so I suppose if I had sort of my Christmas list, assuming we can't have Mike Trout on there and people like <laughs> that, yeah, um, we've had to kind of dial it back a little bit. Um, those are a few a few players that uh, I wouldn't mind us seeing making the move for this year. Um, and again, to you guys listening out there, Please let us know um, on Twitter who you, how wrong we are, maybe how right we are. 
and who you would like to uh, to move for. Um, but one thing's for sure, it's always going to be an exciting off season when you're a Brewers fan, yeah. Yeah, usually it's just... never a dull day. <laughs> never, never what we expect. Yeah, no. absolutely. Well, people just ruled out twenty players. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'll be somebody we've never heard of. It'll be like, <laughs> it will be, it'll be yeah. <laughs> we shouldn't have mentioned Freddie Freeman. We shouldn't have mentioned any of those guys. No. <laughs> <laughs> just, just, we we just need to remember when we were like, Willie Adamas, what have you seen his numbers? Are you sure? That's a terrible trade. Yeah. we trust. It's not always about the numbers, eh? Not always about the numbers. I don't know. Yeah, um, we have to have to concede these guys know a thing or two about baseball and what makes a good baseball team. Well, the one thing this season's taught me, and I think last season, and maybe the season before that, is that I know nothing about baseball. <laughs> because every trade that I've moaned about has pretty much worked out really well. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, who do that job, eh? There's a reason they get paid the big bucks, isn't there? Fellas, listen, it's um, it's been great having you on the pod. Thanks so much for uh, for spending some time with us. Some great sort of reflections there on the season. Um, as you said, Chris, it's good that we left it a month or so, so we can be maybe a little bit more reflective and a little less, um, I was going to say, aggressive or certainly a little less emotional about, about how postseason went for us. Um, I think in reflection, we all agree it's been a roller coaster and it will be a roller coaster again next year, hopefully. So, Mark, before we sign off, any thoughts from yourself? No, um, I mean, to be perfectly honest, I just wanted to uh, apologise, really, because it was mainly my fault that, that we haven't done anything sooner. Um, I, I'm going to say this because it's I don't really want to end it on, on this. But um, when we recorded the uh, the sample pack, we, we had a quick chat with, with Josie about um, my mum and that she was very ill. Sadly, she passed away, which is the reason why. Um, and that was actually during the... Um, uh, the Brewers Braves series as well, so it was it was double edged for me, which is why I just wasn't able to do anything so soon. Um, so I mean, obviously we're we're now five six weeks down the line. Um, obviously miss my mum, but it's now time to start getting back into normal life. So so yeah, apologies to everybody. We would have done this far sooner if if we could have done. Um, it was mainly down to me. So um, you know, thanks for for kind of being with us for the season again I suppose um, because obviously we'll we'll take a little bit of a break now and, and come back in spring training um, raring to go and, and trying to predict our 25 man roster that won't finish the season and, and all of the usual stuff that we do you know so um, yeah thanks to everybody that's, that's been involved this year and, and kind of kept us going um, it's been a been an absolutely brilliant year I've loved it uh, you know as I do most years <laughs> you know um but yeah other than that really um you know it's 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 a shame that the season finished the way it did but we we got some brilliant some brilliant things out of last season and and it was a far better season than the 2020 season so you know onwards and upwards yeah absolutely yeah thanks for sharing that mark's very personal story there um yeah, so listen, we're going to sign off. Uh, Craig, yourself first. Uh, you can find Craig uh, on, on Twitter, Craig Herring, at Craig Herring. Thank you very much for uh, for joining us, mate, and uh, lending your valued opinions about the season. Oh, well, thanks for having me, Sean and Mark, and obviously very sorry to hear your news, Mark. Um, Thank you. That was great fun. I really enjoyed it, and uh, it was it was lovely to uh, to think about baseball and talk about baseball again after a, 
after a sort of month or so mm. of, 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 of trying not to think about Facebook. So, um, so I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much for having me. And, and as Chris said earlier, thanks for all you both do to, um, to build this community of Brewers fans in the UK, because it is a great community and overseas and, uh, and being in touch with some of the, some of the, uh, some of the Milwaukee residents through Twitter as well has been, uh, has been fantastic. And um, so, you know, keep doing what you're doing. You do a super job, both of you, and we really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, Greg. I appreciate that. And Chris, Chris Biggs, you can find Chris on Twitter at Biggsy350. Chris, thanks for your time, mate. It's been great chatting with you. Oh, it's been a pleasure, um, guys. And uh, Mark, I'm so, so sorry for your loss. Um, Thank um, you, mate. Really, really, really sorry to hear that. But look, to end, to end on a positive, uh, as I said earlier, and as Craig just said perfectly, you, you and Sean do an absolutely incredible job um you know this is clearly not a not a paid role it's not easy to do you guys have to give up uh, a lot of your time to um put into building this community keeping this community engaged and frankly uh, you know I, as a relatively new uh, baseball fan and as a the oh, dear brewers fan the entire time i've been a baseball fan it was pretty easy to sort of look up and find you guys very quickly and since then we've sort of been in touch more or less on a, <laughs> uh, you know, a few times a week basis because the, the games come so thick and fast just through Twitter and not just with yourselves, with people overseas, uh, people in the UK who support the Brewers, people in the UK who support different teams. Look, uh, it's, it really is a growing sport here and it wouldn't happen if it wasn't for the work on the ground uh, that, that you guys do. So it's been an absolute pleasure to be on your podcast. Keep up the good work. I look forward to listening um, as a listener as well. Um, uh, going forward into the new year and no doubt uh, having all of my free agency picks uh, wrong uh, looking back on it but thank you for having us and uh, look forward to maybe coming back again sometime it's been a pleasure catching up with you guys awesome thank you and and actually on that I, th- I think one thing that we need to pencil in for uh, 2022 is we need a uh, a brewers fans meet up somewhere in the UK so that you know we can all maybe get somewhere and, and watch a game as a, as a group of Brewers fans for a change uh, rather than it, doing it via the internet and their own homes. Sounds oh. good. And also the draft for the fantasy baseball next year because someone in the UK is going to take the title back over the Atlantic, hopefully. <laughs> uh, I'm, yeah. afraid, I'm afraid I can only do <laughs> no, that that was great fun. It was great sharing that fantasy baseball with you guys. It is, it's, it is great fun. We shall be doing it again next year. There'll be another... UK uh, transatlantic UK US transatlantic baseball league next season so we'll look forward to setting that draft up uh, as well so we're going to sign off there guys as i said this is probably the last pod uh, of the year although it's almost december anyway um so listen winter well thanks for being with us this year thanks to everyone on twitter who's been nothing short of amazing helping us um us brits on our journey through through baseball um, so thank you all out there. We do appreciate the support, the feedback that you give on the pod. You can find the pod on Twitter at UK Brew Crew Pod. Mark, I'm going to wish you adios, my friend, and uh, winter well, mate, and look after that beautiful family of yours. Yeah, I intend to. As soon as we get a new house and we're in, yeah, yeah <laughs> hopefully, hopefully within <laughs> the next few weeks before Christmas. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, fingers crossed. You know, nothing untoward happens over the next month or so. We can all enjoy Christmas and the New Year, and then come back with renewed vigour in uh, February for spring training, and then we can start the World Series 2022 route. I meant to that, mate. So until <laughs> then, take care. Look after yourselves. 
Go Brewers. Go Brewers.